What's up, guys? Welcome to a special episode of Moody Schmoody. Only special because I think this might be our first ever holiday schmoliday episode. Is it? Is it not, John? I mean, can you correct me on that? We missed what we have traditionally called our Schmanksgiving episode, where we give thanks for uh, you know movie-related things or podcast-related things throughout the <clears> year. <throat> and also, this is the perfect timing for what would normally be our Bahambug episode, the opposite of the Schmanksgiving episode, where we we call out things that annoyed us about the year. So this year, schedules didn't work out that we could record a Schmanksgiving episode. And so we thought, why not kind of knock those two traditions of this podcast together into one episode and call it Holiday Schmoliday. I like it. I like it. That's pretty exciting. So we're going to give a little thanks, and then maybe Ronald and I will talk about a certain movie that we've watched, and then we will segue <laughs> into our Bah Humbugs. Have we said our names yet? I'm Steve. I'm Ron. I'm John. <laughs> Um, yes, so we were getting ready to record this, uh, this special holiday episode tonight, and Steve came over, and the mics were all fired up, and, and we were getting ready to go, and then we, we discovered something very sad, which was that Ronald was an hour away, <laughs> and waiting for us to call him. Yeah. So I, I guess I didn't account for the idea that, hey, A, my, my day was crazy, and then it takes two hours for me to get from D.C. to Baltimore during rush hour. So I was like, I'm going to go home. And my brain was like, that is something I have to do. Something very important. But I couldn't figure out what it was. Oh, jeez. I feel like such a fool. What was sad, though, was that then Steve and I being here at my house and you being at your place, we 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 know we know how to do a phoner when we're all three in different places. Mm-hmm. But doing it with two of us in one place, <laughs> we didn't have the uh, setup that we needed for right, Steve right. and I to be on the phone with you and recording ourselves. So the best plan was for Steve to go home <laughs> and then call me. Um, <laughs> so that's what we're doing now. We're doing like a, a, Good stuff. Good stuff. a phoner that... That could have been a face-to-face episode, but maybe this kind of giddy feeling we have right now of just how things have gone wrong, maybe that'll give us that that energy that we normally get from being face-to-face. Oh, yeah. Let's hope. Let's hope. I guess it didn't. (laughs) (laughs) So much for that theory. So, I I guess, I mean, I'll start, only because my my first thanks is... I'm going to just tag team uh, a, a Bah Humbug and a thanks together. I know we're separating this out. But I'll just I'll just get my two of my selections out of the way because it's been a it's been a torrid affair um, this year with the new not new but new to a lot of people service Movie Pass. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I want to give thanks for a service like Movie Pass because I'm very thankful to be able to see as many movies as I want to see. Uh, well, up to thirty movies, thirty one or so, whatever the month holds uh, for nine ninety five. Uh, a month, which is amazing, and I know that we all belong to it. Uh, I signed my wife up for it. Um, a lot of my friends have gotten it, and it's been a pretty good experience. Um, it's amazing to go from city to city, like traveling, and just be like, "Hey, I want to go see a movie," and just go see a movie, and it's amazing. And it, for me, the experience of doing it has worked every time. Knock on wood. Um, but yeah, it's 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 just great for people like us, um, or just any kind of fan of of seeing films in theaters. Um, the person that would rather not wait for it to come to VOD or, or to come to Redbox or, or whatever your choice is. Um, I just feel like it's an amazing gift to be able to pay $10 a month and and have a, a free range of going to the movies as much as I possibly could. I wish I could go more, 
Um, but it just hasn't worked out that yet for me like that yet for me. Um, but I will say I do need to, I need, I need to also give them a bah humbug. Um, (laughs) just basically, just basically for not knowing how to handle customer service and for not, not being, not being ready for anybody to ask a question when they, uh, roll out a service and they have a problem. (laughs) Um, I've mentioned it before in the podcast. So I'm not going to go too deep into it, but it is it is astounding to me that they have so much uh, publicity and so much dialogue going on about their service and and what it is and the data that they're collecting and just what it means for the industry and, and the experience and all that stuff. Like everything that I'm thankful for, it's it's astounding to me that that happens and that they are unable to handle customer service at all. I. I, I have yet to get responses from tickets that I've opened with them from back in August. Um, like when I signed my wife up, they never wrote back like when I didn't get the stuff and, and my account was wrong. And recently I switched us both to the annual plan that they had a promo for back in November. And it was supposed to change over like when the next billing cycle happened. De- never changed over. That was last week. I've opened tickets for both of us. Tried to get to them on Twitter on their Facebook, on their chat, in their app, on their email support, Zendesk, whatever the hell it's called. And they are just brutally, brutally horrible. And I, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know how that's sustainable. I mean, people are going to start canceling subscriptions when they can't go. Because some people, you can you can look at their boards and see, like, people posting things about, like, it's not working, you know, like, I had to buy a ticket. And then their solution is email us a, a receipt. Like, that that's not how you handle the problem. You know what I mean? And... I I am just I can't believe how many people post um, their Twitter and, and and tweet at them every day and they reply to maybe like five or something like that. It's insane and it's it's just it's just like that 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 idea of like being ready to launch a service that could be huge and could be really um, a great experience and like I said for me the, the experience of the service has been good but their service as to a customer. Um, has been horrible so it's fresh in my mind uh, at this time of year and um, trying to see as many movies as I can to, to get to our year-end list and and thankfully while I can use it I'm still being charged the wrong amount of money for to be able to use it which I'm not going to split hairs over a couple bucks but I would love for them to actually get their system working the way that they're you know promoting that it works so my first um, thing that I'm thankful for, and the first thing that I have a bah humbug towards is Movie Pass. My first thing that I was gonna give thanks for was Movie Pass. Oh, cool! And I, I, I can't say I don't agree with your criticism, even though I haven't had that experience. Like I signed up when they announced the annual fee. Yeah. My impression has been anytime I've talked to someone who's had to try to change over, I think Ronald, you said you tried to switch to a new credit card. It won't let me change it. Anytime someone has to change something with this service or contact customer service, yeah. it's it's not a satisfying experience. If you look at the app, sometimes, you, sometimes you'll pull up a theater and it won't load the times and it'll just give you that, if no time is showing, check in, kind of blank thing and sometimes it shows up and sometimes it doesn't so you know there's something working and something not the app itself i think we'd said this very thing the last time we discussed it the app itself is very simple which is good but that makes it kind of opaque to deal with there's really not much you can do if it's not working right so it doesn't sound like they really have their their ducks in a row when it comes to uh this service and rolling it out for as many people as they did I, i will 
definitely, obviously, I was giving thanks for it. I would echo your thought about the way it functions. If it's working, it's beautifully simple. Yeah, yeah. And um, I actually, last week when I went to go see The Disaster Artist with, uh, with my wife, it was the first time that I was getting a movie pass ticket and timing it to to get a seat next to a person who was just buying a ticket. So oh, we right. went up to the kiosk and and we we had two kiosks going at the same time, you know, and we chose our seats, um, <laughs> you know. So and we were able to do it, but this happened to be like a matinee screening, so it was easy to get seats together. Sure. I'm sure it would be very difficult to to use movie pass on the day of and get good seats at like Star Wars or. Or something like that. But no, so yeah, my experience has been great. But I think it's kind of what you said. If this is going to be the major service that it seems positioned to be, it's going to have to be more user-friendly. And that that is not just customer support. That's also having a more intuitive and attractive and easy-to-use apparatus surrounding the whole the whole process. So, totally, yeah, totally. I love it, but, but, but I definitely think it feels a little bush league. It feels a little bit like they're still working it out. What about you, Ronald? It is... Super frustrating because uh, my bank deactivated my card because they forced me to get the little chip on my card. They didn't give me any sort of warning. So I got another card. I tried to update it in my app. Uh, I've been trying to do it. And it, they just will not do anything. It just will not work. I can't, I can't update my credit card information. It is nuts to me. It's all I want to do. All I want to do is update my information, and it won't let me. I think the reality is, is like they're not scaled. Like they, they, they did not have the ability to scale like when this went out. And I think they're still catching up with all of that. So, I mean, they can fulfill orders, and they can fulfill like signups and things like that. But they cannot fulfill the customer service piece. Like they don't have the means. Like if you've ever used the, the in-app chat that's literally open for two hours a day, it's open from like 11 to 1 or 10 to 12. Like that's the only time that they quote unquote man the app chat. And if you – I literally sat on there for an hour writing something into the chat session every five minutes and no one wrote back for the entire time I was doing that. So like it's it's not it's not being monitored at all. Like no one's looking at anything. So yeah, it's, it sucks. But I mean like I said, I'll say that. But I'll say I've also used it a few times and – you know, I've I've already saved money from the times I've used it, and I haven't even really been using it as much as I, I wish I could, like John has been. Well, I, I, I think I told you, uh, it just was like several nights in a row where I just said, yeah, yeah. okay, uh, Henry's going to bed, Nikki's not going to be up for that much longer, she doesn't yeah. care if I go out to a, like a, a 9.30 showing or a 10 o'clock showing, and it allowed me to tick off some of those indie releases. The Oscars, yeah. Like, I did the math. Whatever I'm paying for the year has already been covered by the value of the tickets that I've bought. Yeah, exactly. This. So I'm 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 basically a movie thief for the yeah. rest of the year. I'm <laughs> no. just gonna I might as well I'm, I'm gonna put on a little bandit mask and yeah. a striped shirt and I'm gonna sneak around. Yes, that's pretty incredible. All right, Ronald, what would you like to give thanks for? So uh, I kind of mentioned it before, and I'll mention it again. Uh, movies anywhere. I want to give thanks for movies anywhere. Um, it is a service that lets you kind of wrangle up all the retailers that you use. So like Vudu, Google Play, iTunes, Amazon, and anything that you've per- purchased in one of those services crosses over to another to the any other platform that you're signed into. So this is especially cool if you have anything on like Vudu and you would like it to sync up with iTunes. Um, here's 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 a loophole to that. If you have friends 
that have any of these services, you can kind of, and you know they've purchased like 10 or 12 movies on Vudu, you can connect their account for one of them, and then you can use your iTunes account, and then you can use an Amazon account, and it just kind of puts them together, um, which works really well. And it kind of bridges the gap between, you know, say if you have a Roku and you want to access some of your iTunes movies on the Roku, you can use it for stuff like that. Um, the cool part about it, too, cool. is if you have a Movies Anywhere account, you can I think you can share it with up to six people so they can wind up looking at um, the movies. So there's two caveats with that. All the movies that you access from the Movies Anywhere app are not in 4K. However, because it shares the movies between the platforms, if one of the platforms has it in 4K, you can watch it in 4K. That's cool. So, for example, uh, a friend of mine that I'm sharing the account with bought uh, Dunkirk on Vudu, and now I can see it in iTunes in 4K. So it's it's just it's a really cool service that you should definitely look into. Movies anywhere. It's free of charge. You just connect it to any of the Amazon, iTunes, Google, or Vudu, and it, it just kinda connects things. I didn't know that things like this existed, but you know, there there is there are things that bridge the gap between all of the video set top boxes and this seems to be it. But yeah, that's mine. All right, Steve. Um, I'm going to go back to. Uh, I think somebody has had to be thankful for this in the in the years past. But <clears throat> I think for me this year, I, I was like the year that I really opened up my uh, mind or my uh, willingness to check out new stuff on uh, just on podcasts in general. Just podcasts. Period. I, I mean, there were there were always a few podcasts that were like ones that were every the ones everybody was talking about that I, I kind of found and listened to and experienced and loved. But, um, you know, this year I got an app that I, that, that I is a part of this thanks called Castro um, on the iPhone. I think it's iOS. I think it's Android as well. But um, that just made the discovery process so great for the ones I subscribe to and the ones that I never knew I always wanted to be subscribed to. So, um, I've really kind of branched out beyond listening to like the true crime stuff to listening to, you know, entertainment news, some sports news, like, you know, I, I my, my list of apps that I have and my, my list of podcasts that I have in my queue that I, that I have lined up to listen to is, um, it's so well-rounded that it's just I come to realize that, like, that's what I listen to now, period. Like, I don't listen to my radio that much in my car. I canceled my XM subscription, and I just literally let that app roll through whatever I have in my queue and listen to what I want to listen to. And um, I think it's also really interesting. I, I've, I've noticed um, over the last year in some of the podcasts that I subscribe to Specifically in the realm of entertainment, which is like really where the bread and butter is for me in terms of what I subscribe to, podcasts um, are really prevalent in publicity tours now. And it, it blows my mind with some of these shows that I listen to, you know, who they get on their show and how much time they get with them on their show and um, what the conversations are like on the shows and you know, just being able to hear celebrities or filmmakers or athletes or whoever it is that I have an interest in or that I've been following for years or, you know, that I look up to 
and to be able to hear their personalities come through um, outside of a written interview or outside of a, a written feature or anything like that. Um, I love how candid some of them are, and I love just how um, fun. I mean, I don't know. It just feels some of them feel really casual, and I love hearing some of the filmmakers and celebrities that I that I love um, interact with a, with a podcast interviewer. Um, and and I love the long form format of a lot of them. Like you're talking like somebody being interviewed for an hour, listening to somebody, you know, talk for an hour is is, I mean, like that's crazy. Like you know, when they do publicity tours. They get like, you know, when they go from my days back at the studios, like, you know, they do these round tables or they do these like little rooms where people get like five minutes with them. And, and that person goes and writes this massive article that has like two pull quotes that that's absolutely nothing. It's like a, the most canned answer that you can think of. Yeah. But, but I mean, on these podcasts, it seems like there's so much more. And I know I'm late to the game on some of these podcasts that people have been listening to for years. But I mean, for me, it's been really great experience this year, finding some new ones that I really genuinely love and listening to the personality of the host interact with the personality of the guest and and really hear some unique stories, some unique answers, some very candid answers. And, um, you know, it's just amazing. And, and, and the, the tag team is, is the, this app that I, I absolutely love that is leaps and bounds better than any podcast app I've used before. I mean, especially the Apple podcast app, Ugh. but, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, this is the year I, I cut, I cut the XM cord. I don't listen to the radio very much at all. If at, if at all anymore, if anything else is playing, it's maybe Spotify, but if you're riding with me in my car, I'm listening to a podcast and it's somebody being interviewed and I, and I love it. <laughs> What's your favorite interview podcast? You know, honestly, the one I've really grown to love, I love Happy Sad Confused. Ah. And and I don't know if it's because I'm like the I'm such a, like a pop, you know, culture, like I'm I'm super sappy pop guy. And I don't know, mm-hmm. I don't know if it has like Josh Horowitz who's the host of that. You know, he's similar in age to me. I think he's maybe a couple years older. But I mean, he's got a lot of the similar interests in terms of films that I have and He's very, I don't know, I just, I just like, I, I like the way he interviews people. People seem to genuinely like him and they kind of like relax around him and laugh and and they're not, they don't seem very uptight. And, and I, I kind of like how casual it is too. It's not, it's not a lot of hefty talk, like a lot, not a lot of shop talk and in and, and like trying to impress anybody. I like that it's very candid and uh, <clears throat> I, I, I find like that's the one over the last year that I kind of stumbled on that I absolutely look forward to seeing who he gets access to. I mean, he like literally interviews so many great people like, and uh, I don't know. And they're just, they're just really fun interviews and they're usually 40 minutes to an hour ish. And um, yeah, I don't know. So that's my second thanks of the year. Cool. Well, my second thanks is just a man. It's a person. And I say this on the, on the eve of, well, not quite the eve, but in a couple days now, I'll be mm-hmm. seeing a new Star Wars movie. I'm upbeat about the movie, but the thing I'm giving thanks for is Mark Hamill. Yeah. I like that the guy likes doing it. I like that he enjoys it. I like that he embraces it. Right. As much as I have been a lifelong fan of Indiana Jones and Han Solo and through that, you know, kind of Harrison Ford. We've always talked about how he so seems like he just doesn't want to be there. Sure. But Mark Hamill has a sort of a fanboy side to him that... I feel like it's the perfect marriage of an iconic character and sort of a 
the time, the moment we're in right now with regards to, you know, this this being a big part of pop culture and people really taking it seriously. Yeah. I stress I haven't seen the movie. I don't know if he's going to ham it up. I think Mark Hamill is one of those great, he's a he's an endearing over-actor sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he does a lot of voice work for cartoons, and so he's got this kind of animated sense to, to his performances. And I think even Luke sometimes had this over-the-top aspect. But if you look at the emotional journey of that character over the three films that he was in, it's a pretty interesting performance. Right. You know, he goes from being like a whiny kid to a, a kind of a pretentious young man. And Mark Hamill plays it to the hilt. And I just think he's going to do that in this. But even outside of that, just seeing his appearances and seeing how much he clearly enjoys relating to the fandom. So, you know, any, anyway, I just think it's a good moment for Mark Hamill. People are saying he's got some great moments in the movie. So um, that makes me even more optimistic. But I really want a good Luke Skywalker movie, you know, and I want to see what Mark Hamill can do. And also, interestingly enough, you probably have heard that um, he, he initially, when he got the script thought that it was it was a strange and wrong direction to take the character in and he had to come to terms with ryan johnson the the writer director's vision for the movie so i'm just increasingly interested in what that's going to be so yes i'm thankful for for that guy man okay so this is related to mark hamill um and we talked about it last episode but i gotta bring it up because i've seen it three more times since we last spoke and that is brigsby bear Man, Brigsby Bear is one of my favorite movies of this year, period. Or maybe one of my favorite movies in a really long time. Just the type of movie that it is. Just um, So I watched it, and then I came home, and then Aaron was watching it, and then I watched it again. And it's just one of those movies that makes me super happy. Mark Hamill's voice working and is nuts. You know what I mean? He really, he's going for something as Brixby Bear and the other characters that he plays. Um, it's a it's a really cool movie with a really kind of natural oddness. It doesn't feel kind of put on. I really like the way that the movie kind of feels. It looks and. I don't know, the evolution of his relationship with his parents. I just think it's a really good movie, man. Um, Brigsby Bear. (laughs) Watch it three more times. (laughs) So my final thanks is, uh, it's it's the sappy one. I just want to be, I'm thankful that we went, my wife and I went through our first experience this year with our first child and everything was amazing. She was amazing. Our baby's amazing. She's healthy. She's cute. She's uh, just laughs all the time and smiles, and it's just it's just amazing. And um, I don't know. It's been it's been challenging at times, but it's been extremely rewarding. And um, I'm just thankful that everything went well. I'm thankful that I you know work for a company that allowed me to be home with her, um, with Aaron and Sydney um, when we you know came home from the hospital for roughly you know what what came to be six weeks which is not very common uh anymore or or in this world uh in this country rather um so i'm thankful for that that whole experience of you know just having a healthy experience everything going well having a company that supports you know the experience and and you know everything that they've done for me um, and and my family now, like in terms of our healthcare and being a support system, it just it just feels like you know the most perfect experience that I could have imagined for this whole thing, 
And, uh, you know, I don't really feel like I always have the best of luck when I go through certain experiences, but, uh, not knock on any, any, any wood <laughs> that you guys can find for me, but this has been amazing. And, um, yeah, I'm just super happy with the whole thing and just can't wait to go through the rest of it with them and, and, and to watch her grow up and then see what happens. But it's been amazing. So I'm definitely thankful for my wife, Aaron, and uh, my baby girl, uh, Sydney. Uh, it's 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 been amazing. And, and so people talk about it like like it's such a drag to have a kid sometimes. But I've enjoyed every phase of it. And the fact that you're talking about just how happy you are that it's like going well and that like everyone's happy and healthy yeah. and you can keep this going. Having everybody under the same roof and everybody's everybody's fine, it's huge. It's 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 a good thing. So, thank you. Well, I guess my final thanks. It's kind of a spring-loaded one because there's a lot of little topics or thoughts that could come off of this, but I just want to say that I'm thankful for this it may be slow, it may be overdue, and it may be uncertain where it's going to end or how it's going uh, to proceed, but just the sort of demise of this disgusting patriarchy in Hollywood, yeah. or at least or at least the outing of all these creeps yeah, that have been doing all this nasty stuff for so long. And I, I mean, I think we've all been somewhat complicit in hearing the stories about people like Brian Singer and and Kevin Spacey and Harvey Weinstein and even people like Dustin Hoffman, who we always heard was sort of an asshole, but we didn't know maybe it went to darker places than that. I do sometimes mourn for the loss of the the sort of respect I have for these supposedly great men and their work. But, you know, just all these marginalized groups that you wonder how many of those people have not been allowed to make movies that may have been brilliant or great because of this stranglehold. And so it does kind of make you feel sort of like you've been part of this this gross system, you know. Sure. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ha had it kind of weighing on you or if you've given it serious thought, but I honestly think that a year or so ago when we were talking about Nate Parker's Birth of a Nation, we were back on that discussion of separating the art from the artist. And I think we, in fact, tried to have a whole episode where we kind of went into that subject. And it's always kind of thorny because you don't really know where to, where to go with it. And I feel like as, as recently as that episode, I was still very much on the side of that idea that you really have to separate the art from the artist. Um, because that's what we're supposed to do, right? Like that's what's always been kind of written in stone is that you're supposed to do that. But I find it harder to do it now. I think even just a few months ago, I might've said, yeah, you're supposed to separate the art from the artist. Right. How interested am I in propping up these people that are, that are, that are kind of nasty creeps? My feelings about this have kind of evolved a little bit too. I mean, not that I, so statistically, I was reading this the other day, uh, one in every six women is sexually assaulted, right? So I think about these honest, wonderful people that I've been around who have never said anything um, and the reasons why they haven't. And to hear people try to reconcile or, or try to question why people wouldn't try to rip their lives apart to... Uh, tell someone of authority about these things is is beyond me the 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 fact that people would even question why there would be fear there right but i don't think that men have the luxury of being afforded doubt quite as often as we would like to believe because men have been terrible to women forever so i'm more likely to side with the woman just off the top because I sympathize with that idea that men have been terrible forever. And any man that doesn't feel that way is a terrible person.
That's how I feel. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Um, men who do not sympathize or, or, or feel that way, that men are terrible, inherently terrible, and have been inherently terrible to women for a very long time. So this idea of doubting someone's word, it, yeah, we could talk about it. We could talk about circumstances, but more than likely, it probably happened. You know what I mean? Like that's, it's just, it just is something that I don't necessarily even want to discuss quite as much anymore. Yeah, I still haven't seen this, this, this mythical benefit of people coming forward and lying. You know, like people always talk about it, like this would be some scam that you would run. Yeah, the accusations range from extremely creepy, pervy behavior to, uh, you know, violent sex crime. So it makes me wonder, like, where, where does the boycott? If you start boycotting, where does it stop? Yeah. Yeah, I, I I don't know, man. It could, because there's a there are tons of, I mean, I don't know if you guys have kind of heard. There's there's a there's another comedian who it may happen to in the next couple of weeks. It's something I heard about earlier. It's just it just keeps coming down. And look, I haven't been perfect in my life. You know what I mean? And like I said, it it, it takes some recalibration. Um, things that were socially acceptable and that I thought were socially acceptable, I can't even, I'm ashamed of. I think that's part of the issue, too. Can we talk about that, too? People who are owning up to things and almost saying, I'm sorry you feel that way, which is the worst disingenuous apology ever. You know what I mean? Like, this was back then. I'm sorry you feel like this. Uh, I was a different person then. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what about just an apology? Can I just say, Ronald, uh, you just segued uh, perfectly into my first Bah Humbug, which is shitty non-apology. <laughs> <laughs> That's so bad, man. So I think this is a perfect okay. time for us to hold that thought of shitting on apologies and and this thought mm -hmm. of the, the the patriarchy in Hollywood being brought down or maybe at least some cracks in the in that wall showing. And mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about the film that we that we saw. Uh, sure. The Louis C.K.'s movie, which to me feels like whatever I want to say about this movie fits right in with my thoughts about all this. Now, Steve, I know you didn't see the movie, and um, I don't know if you, I don't know if you have anything you want to throw in any thoughts about what we just said before we move on to that uh, that topic. <clears throat> um, I'm, I'm honestly, I mean, I'm glad it's all happening now, but I, I, I'm just as conflicted as you were saying, John, about how you know, as a supporter, moviegoer, you, you kind of fit into the problem, but. I'm just kind of curious what comes over the next, you know, six months. I mean, how much this has changed everything, and the, and it's really only been going on for roughly like three months, you know, not or not even three months, like two months. Yeah. And it just feels like such a it feels like such a, a seismic shift is happening, and uh, I can only imagine over the next, you know, two months what else comes out. And the most important thing, I mean, I don't know. I guess my biggest takeaway is that is that, is that everybody is talking about it, and I mean that's. I don't know. That that's a that's a good first step. Um, but obviously, actions speak louder than words a lot of times. And you know, people have the, the the courage to speak up about this kind of stuff. And actions are happening to you know correct it and or prevent it from happening again. Whatever that whatever that looks like. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm more I'm more curious to see what happens over the next couple of months. Um, that's really the only th thing that I would add to what you guys have already said. Well, I mean, there is a little bit of a who's next kind of feeling, but anyone you've ever heard a, a, a rumor about, 
um, including Mr. Mr. Johnny Depp uh, himself. We've talked much, uh, in fact, on our Bah Humbug episodes in the past. We've, we've had a running theme of Johnny Depp. Um, he's just like the mascot of Bah Humbug for us these days. Mm, he um, is. But, I mean, he's symbolic of that. We, we all sort of know, and it kind of feels like th- those accusations hit at a certain point in the news cycle. And right now, I mean, it, and this is what we're saying is a good thing in the, in the thanks portion of this topic, is that it now is, is happening. Like, people are saying it, and people are listening, and, and it's, it's happening very quickly. And so it's, it's not an environment where victims should feel afraid to come forward, or at least they should feel less afraid now. And that's, that's very good. But yeah, the reaction to it, which is the the shitty non-apology side, has has been very strange. And I guess yes, now we're talking about someone whose career seems to be a f- fundamentally over, at least at least for the foreseeable future. I can't imagine how how Louis C.K. gets back to where he was. Um, although I suppose all can be forgiven. Mel Gibson was in a family film uh, that just opened, so. Um, what did you think yeah. of I Love You, Daddy? Louis C.K.'s film, which was about to come out in theaters, and, and right when his, right when he had to come forward and and confirm the rumors that had been uh, going around for him for years about uh, about him forcing women to watch him masturbate, which is just about the worst compulsion I can think of. But so yeah, his movie was then pulled from release and has now been bought back, I think by Louis C.K.'s production company. But screeners yeah. for awards or festivals got out there. And so and so we saw it. So yeah, what did you think of the movie? And I know what you said, Ronald, was p- people cannot disassociate this movie from what's been going on in his personal life. And I guess my question for you is why should they? Because his comedy has always been about his personal life. And now it's kind of feeding on itself in this gross way what did you think of it man it like i said it that i've been reading those i've been reading those reviews and and some of them most of them kind of say it feels like a thinly veiled excuse to justify a fantasy about a younger woman dating an older man the perspective is from you know louis ck is the father of Chloe Moretz, her character, China, who falls in love with uh, John Malkovich's character, who is an uh, inspiration to Louis C.K. So see, seeing his web show, Horace and Pete, which I thought was incredible and had really good dialogue, it's kind of unflinching look at how family works and stuff like that. And people kind of at the end of their ropes saying and doing things that um you know I've seen family and friends do when they're they're having conflict with family that's that's Horace and Pete I don't know if this movie has quite as much introspection as any of that it didn't really live for me as a work of art outside of what I know about him now and and what I know has been going on with him, Mm. which just changes your mind about this archetype that he had come to represent, this sort of gross but lovable man, you know, like the the guy with a beer belly who who can admit to masturbating compulsively and who has bad eating habits and who's kind of a pervert, but he's sort of charming because he's honest about how gross he is. So I think all that, it's impossible for me to separate it from the movie, which just like his comedy deals so closely and explicitly with these exact ideas, these exact themes. I mean, there's a character in the movie, John Malkovich's character is sort of a Woody Allen pastiche, and he's there to sort of tease that question of 
do we ever know for sure if this guy molested a child or not? Um, what's he doing with uh, uh, Louis C.K.'s character's daughter? Does he have creepy intentions, or is he, is he just a weird old man who has these friendships? If if this had just happened, if this movie had come out and his story had not broken, we would have said, oh, Louis C.K. is probing these these ideas and these dark thoughts, and, and I think some people might have gotten sucked into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think I would have enjoyed the movie that much under any circumstances. I don't think so either. I think it was especially icky thinking about how self-justifying it seemed because he has almost at every turn in the film a woman saying to him oh everyone's gross everyone's a pervert don't feel guilty um you know yeah. uh, and and so often he puts that in the mouth of a woman speaking to him and and like letting him off the hook for being this this guy it, it's not like it's without moments that are funny or that it's, it, it's without performances that are that are at least trying to do something. And there's a real production value to it. But it just feels so self-glorifying in this strange way, like in the same way that Woody Allen can sometimes seem to have taken up residence in his own asshole, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I fear that Louis C.K. is that guy, too, in, in a lot of ways. And I don't know. Like, where were you, Ronald? In, where are you in general on him? He's my favorite comic, uh, aside from, like, Chris Rock and Chris Rock, um, Dave Chappelle and Gerard Carmichael. Louis C.K. is my favorite comic, like especially one creating things. Um, I love what he does. I, I I love what he did. I'm sorry. I love what he did. Um, especially sort of the model of putting out his own stuff. Um, I really enjoyed it because it inspired, it pretty much set the tone for all of the stuff that happened, like Aziz putting out his own special. And mm -hmm. Before, Netflix was buying up all of the the comedy specials. Um, sort of the model that all the comics were doing where they were selling it individually on their sites. Um, and I love, I love who he helped, who he brought forward to the light, you know, kind of. But man, I, I I've I'm conflicted. I'm really conflicted. So I I don't know. Overall, it's it's a, it was a really hard movie to watch. I don't understand how the the scene where Chloe is talking to him and she's like, I I saw him in the uh, what was it Bloomingdale's, and she asked why John Malkovich was there. He's just like, I like to look at women. <laughs> and she was just very forgiven about that like more forgiven than a, than it doesn't matter how old you are how young you are that is a creepy thing and i think that that was a little underdeveloped if somebody hears something so like he's just like i like to watch young women that would make somebody uncomfortable and and i feel like that there were a lot of scenes that felt a little underdeveloped like i i get that eventually you could you could learn to like someone who is a bit crazy, a little bit weird, a little, may have some propensity for like maybe dating younger women, but there's something about, yeah, I think that he's, it feels a little thinly veiled. It feels like some sort of fantasy that he has about, or maybe experience that he may have had with younger women that feels a little, a little strange. So that affects my perception of him. Yeah, it's kind of creepy, and I, and I think it exists as an artifact now that I really don't think there's ever going to be a proper context for it. I go back yeah. to your first thought about it, Ronald, which is there's no way to view this movie aside from the the 
the stuff that you know. I mean, maybe one day people will be able to, but at this moment, it really feels like it's about all of the things that got him into trouble. Weird stuff. Weird stuff. I don't know. I, I just feel like there's just a baseline to anything. You know, it's like if you're not if you're not, if you're not a good person. I mean, it, it's challenging because you're right. We had this conversation about separating the art from the creator or the artist, whatever. And it, it's it's a hard it's a hard pill to swallow, and it's becoming more challenging for me to to be okay with still being able to enjoy things from somebody that is just in the end a, a not a good person. And um, I feel like you know it's been challenged. It's challenged me a lot recently um, with some of the people that have come out and, uh, and and made these claims. And but I mean, at the end of the day, I, I've I've come to just start to feel more and more secure in the fact that like you know there's a baseline of being a good person to people and to treating people properly and I'm kind of at the point where like you know I'm not really interested in what you have to say if you can't treat people right and um and I feel and part of me feels bad for you know like am I coming around to that realization now um cause it's still a challenge and it's still like I'm, I'm still conflicted about it because um, you know, certain things that are created are not just created by that one person. Right. Um, there's a lot of people involved in these productions and there's a lot of people that put their heart and soul and sweat and tears into something like this or making a film. So it's really unfortunate that something can be, you know, taken away from having a chance before it even really got out of the gate because of something horrible that, you know, a person that shepherded the project or was involved with it in some large capacity did. Just like all the Harvey Weinstein stuff, like, you know, it's it's really unfortunate in, in, in some ways that these films that, you know, he had his hands in, you know, or these filmmakers that he worked so closely with, you know, are kind of, you know, caught up in all of the stuff happening with him. But, I mean, in the same conversation, it's like, you know, if you were that close with this guy, like, there's no way in hell you didn't know he was doing the shit he was doing. And, you know, if you were cool with it, that's a problem, too. And if you were not doing anything to correct it, that's a problem, too. So, um, I don't know. It, it's, it's, a really, it's a really sticky thing. And, I, I'm, like I said, I'm really, <clears throat> really conflicted about how I feel about it all. N- just, this, just the conversation of, like, the separation. But... At the end of the day, what, what I'm coming to realize as, as these couple months have passed and I read more and more um, of what some of these people that have come up and or come out and, and, and made their claims and, and said how some of these people have treated them, I have, I have no interest in hearing from these, some of these people ever again, to be honest with you. And it, and it, disgusts, and it disgusts me that they, that they got to the point that they did when there are genuinely great people out in, in, in that industry, I'm sure. That, that should have been given a chance and never got it because, you know, they were stepped on or they were overlooked because of because of this kind of person or this kind of, you know, monster. So, I don't know. That, that's kind of where I'm falling. I know that's kind of like a bummer. But, I mean, like, I just... It's just coming down to, like, just the... the like, you know, Ronald was saying, like, you know, just be a good person and and, and, and I'll have a lot more interest in what you're doing. So, I mean... It, it, it's just the more I think about it, it just makes me angry that, you know, people get as far as they do acting like that or doing things like that or treating people like that. 
and it's just okay and it, it's not going to be okay anymore it seems like and it shouldn't and it should have never been and uh so hopefully you know the voices that we'll be hearing from in the next couple of decades you know that we're on this earth or you know what happens with film or music or tv or whatever it is hopefully the voices that are, are present, presenting that vision or you know presenting that piece of art are better people than some of these people that we've been hoisting up over the last couple of years or decades and uh, we'll be a little prouder of, of the people that are putting stuff out there. Well, yeah, and it'll be a, a more interesting group of voices that, that prior to this haven't been heard. Absolutely. That whole idea of having a little bit of power and using it to manipulate people and, and to step on people and silence people. Uh, yeah, it's it's villainous, you know? It's not just distasteful. It's like it's like run them out of town on a rail. Absolutely. That brought my my last uh, thanks into my first bah humbug. And Ronald, I don't think you did your last thanks. So if you give us a thanks and then and then your bah humbug, then we'll be back in the right cycle here. Um, my thanks. Uh, your final thanks. I feel like. Uh, oh, oh, I know what it is. Um. It's kind of a vague sort of idea, but basically the 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 adventure in my relationship. Um, so Marchish, um, my girlfriend and I are going to Europe again. Love that place, but we're gonna be in. Uh, we're gonna try to stay in France. Um, we're going to London and then Amsterdam. And my goal is to do stand up in all three of those places. Um, I was listening to uh, a movie podcast and I heard Jordan Peele mention a place called Boom Chicago, which is an improv place in Amsterdam. And I found out that they have a mic there, an English speaking mic that comes like every six months. And it may be falling within the time that I'm going to be there. So that's that's one of them. And I'm going to figure out the other one. So um, I want to give thanks to the, I guess, the sense of adventure in my relationship. Because it's, it's not just the travel. It's, it's trying to do weird things there that are kind of, you know, that I won't forget. So that's, that's uh, something I've been thinking about a lot, a lot lately. This little place I discovered, I got to tell you guys about it. It's called Europe. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. so, yeah, if you if you do your first Bah Humbug, then I think you're brought in with us because, Steve, you already did your Bah Humbug. One of yours was Movie Pass. You kind of, you kind of doubled yep, up yep, on that. Yep. So give us your first Bah Humbug, Ronald. My Bah Humbug is iPhones failing right as the new ones come out. I don't know what that's about. I don't know, if, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that is. But don't man, don't tell me you're a conspiracy theorist, huh? It's not a conspiracy theory. It it's just <laughs> you know what it is. You know what it is. I think it's I think it's psychological. Mm. I think when you get your phone, when you first get your phone, you handle it with a certain amount of care. And you know, if you've had it for you know your 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 connection to it is still there, but you start taking it for granted. You know, you just kind of fling it somewhere instead of carefully sitting it somewhere. So I don't think it's a conspiracy. I think we tend to just not treat things quite as well 
um, when you have them for a while. So I, I you know, I, I'm I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I think it's actually attached to something. But man, when it happens, <laughs> this doesn't feel good. So that's my that's my bah humbug. All right, I, I'll give one of my my next one is uh, this isn't this isn't official yet when this podcast is being recorded, so I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. <clears throat> but it could be happening between us recording this and it coming out. But um, I'm not a big fan of uh, the idea of the Disney Fox merger. Really? And no, I'm not. Um, Tell me why. Tell me why. And nothing but a um, <laughs> Tell me why. Well, I mean, I mean, basically, just the idea of all these acquisitions and consolidations, and you know, it, things coming down to less and less options. I think. Yes. You know, the idea of. Um, you know, I, and I love Disney. Like, I, I'm, I'm a fan of pretty much most things that they have their hand in or have anything to do with. So it has nothing to do with the brand itself or, or Fox, the brand at all. Like, it has nothing to do with that. It's just the idea of, um, of, of less competition, of less outlets, of less voices, of, uh, you know, how... Uh, it, it remains to be seen, but, I mean, like, how... The way Disney approaches their film slate will affect um, the way Fox does theirs. I mean, you know, Fox is nowhere near what Disney is. This is obvious because they're in talks to be acquired by different people, um, either Disney or Comcast, and it seems Comcast is out. But I don't know. I, it, it's just it's just kind of scary um, to think about um, how Disney approaches small budget movies, which they don't do really. Yeah. Um, um, very, very infrequently, um, but it, in, in the least, you know, you look at a studio like Fox and whether they're being successful or not, you know, they're making movies that aren't only $100 million budget films. Like, they're making movies that aren't easy to market. They're making movies that are different and, um, you know, and I think that's important. I think the idea of um, <clears throat> going down to four major studios is one less studio that would possibly make a summer blockbuster R-rated film. You know, things like that. And I think that, you know, having a 20% less chance to get your movie made or to get your R rating or to get, you know, this concept through or, or whatever it is, like, it's it's kind of a scary thing. And I think that Disney, in all of its power, um, you know, is obviously trying to build this huge thing to... The end game to me is like it's it's the streaming of everything. It, it's the future, and they're building something that it seems will be able to heavily compete with Netflix whenever that happens, and Amazon and whoever else is in the game. But on on a purely um, creative and um, movie going uh, level, it just it's a little scary to think about. Um, you know, losing 20% of the major film studios that have been around forever and them going into uh, one of the remaining four who, you know, for most cases, banks on franchises, banks on uh, huge uh, movies, uh, large budget films, mass audience films, hardly ever, if any, R-rated films. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a little concerning to me and, and I don't really love the idea of it. And... We'll see if it actually happens, but just the idea of it kind of scares me a little bit. So 
That's uh, my second Bah Humbug. When we talked about this last, I think we, we kind of touched on those concerns. It's like we what we all said was the first thought everyone had was just the the, the properties merging and the crossovers that would be possible, you know. And, and it's like that was the first right. thought you have. And then if you think about it, I think what we were talking about before was just is it going to be, you know, is Disney going to be the megacorp that owns everything? What I wonder is are they really going to exercise that much artistic control over – all of the Fox output, if if there's an if it ain't broke, don't fix it attitude. Like, will they look at Deadpool and say this is succeeding on its own terms? We're not going to mess around with it. We're just going to open up opportunities for the synergy. Like, I, I wonder how far they would bend that before they would feel that they had broken it. You know, because I know they don't intend to break the, right. the brand on the other side. But I wonder. I really do wonder if they would over homogenize some of those things, um, or if they would say, well, this already has its own quirky identity and we can let it exist kind of at an angle because that's what he does anyway i mean he talks to the camera and stuff right i have the same concern about just the overall effect it has on culture because it's not just the sort of big tentpole properties it's the entirety of what fox represents as i said the last time we brought it up it's just that it makes you wonder about the future of things and and like what it's even going to mean what the movie industry is even going to look like in in 10 years what about you ronald do, do, are you are you a little bit afraid of the monopoly uh, uh, crushing us all. Oh, I'm petrified. <laughs> I mean, I think I think the part the problem with all of this stuff, any any changes that happen happens is that it's it's our jobs as the early adapters, as the the people that analyze these things on a grander scale. To kind of understand what it means, sure, it's going to be great for the Marvel stuff. It's going to be great because there are going to be all those characters in one film. But man, like like Steve is Steve said what you said. There's something about the way that business changes when things start to merge. Things that you just don't think about on a really subtle level that could affect business. That could affect the future of the whole industry that could shake things up in ways that, you know, that people don't really think about, you know, cause they can, they can, they can yank. People don't think about this. So everything is Disney is like the big umbrella, right? Fox takes their stuff away. Disney takes their stuff away from Netflix. What the fuck is Netflix going to be? If they right. take all that stuff away, all those, all those properties, all the service that you loved, the service that you use to watch all of those things, I mean, and and they're gonna keep eating things up. It's not like this is this is not the the last acquisition. This it's gonna keep growing and growing and growing and growing until, you know. And what if you don't like the terms of that service? What if you? It's just a lot of things that get compromised when one company kind of sucks up a bunch of other companies. You know, so I don't right. know. I'm afraid. I'm all, I always get worried with stuff like that. Right. Um, I'm I'm really excited about what it's going to do for the Marvel world, but man, I am worried. I'm worried about because there's there's a there are these lapses, right? So like, sure, movies movies will decline. Movie sales will decline for a little bit, and then something else comes along that kind of excites people again. I think people still have a enthusiasm about movies. So that's a good thing, but I think that if they just wait it out sometimes, you wait, 
maybe you won't make the 50 million on top of the 300 million that you made but sometimes if you just wait it out you'll figure out what how to solve an issue instead of letting a company eat you up it's weird the way that people kind of just give up on things when when it seemed a little down like you can adjust you know yeah so anyway yeah long story short i am worried i am worried and I, I, I'm, I'm glad you said it, Steve. Even as a Disney fan, it's I, I'm glad that you put, you know, what that means for business and our lives as consumers over your love for Disney. Because I know you love Disney. I love right. Disney. You know, right. John loves Disney. But there's something to it. There's something that doesn't feel quite as good as it, it maybe would have felt, you know, before you understood what it meant for business. So I, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the immediate like you know excitement for all the Marvel stuff is 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 valid, but I mean, on the other hand, why wouldn't the conversation just be like, why don't you just fix your shit? You know, like you know, like why can't you just fix it? You know, like yeah, at Fox, like you know, get the Fantastic Four right, get rid of Brian Singer, let let go of that X Men world. I mean, I, I don't know, like the, their franchises that they have is specifically what I'm talking about, but you know, whatever they have going on financially, that's making them look for. You know this kind of new home. I don't know. It's it's just, it's just, it just worries me. I I get scared of like, you know, getting down to. I mean, because like Fox spends a ton of money, and like mm-hmm. the other the other studios, uh, like Paramount, you know, Universal, and uh, what am I forgetting? Paramount, Universal, Warner's, Fox. Oh yeah, Warner's. Like you know, they all spend a lot of money, but like Fox spends a ton of money. So I mean, if they're not doing something right at the point that you know they're being acquired by Disney. It makes me worry about those other studios too. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, it, it's it, if it's happening, it's happening. I'm just curious, like John was saying, like how they handle it. And it, this is all just, you know, guessing. You know, this is all just saying, like looking at what Disney is now. Like if they will try to apply that to Fox properties, or if they'll just take them as they are. And like John said, if it's working, don't mess with it. But it, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But it just worries me. Well, because Disney had. Touchstone back in the day that was sort of an outlet where they could put out these R-rated comedies and and sort of uh, action movies and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I, I wonder if they would let Fox have its own identity. But yeah, I mean, there's no reason to expect them to do one thing or the other. There is a kind of supermarket-tested aspect to anything that Disney does, though, and it would be hard to imagine them not taking that approach if they were to, you know, go for like a tentpole movie. Yeah. My second bah humbug is... Um, it's kind of a concept, but I'll have a specific example of it. But the, the concept is that this, the speed of social media, the, the immediacy of, of social media and how quickly the communication happens and how uh, on a certain level that's great, but then there are times where it's, it's, it doesn't help anybody. Right. And I don't know if you guys have, have been tracking this Keaton Jones thing. Oh, man. Have I ever. Okay, so let me just give the, the the encapsulated version, then we can talk about it. Keaton Jones was a kid who was, as far as we knew, his mom posted a, a thing that was about how he was being bullied, and you saw the boy, and he was tearful, and you could tell he was very sad, and the story of his being bullied was very, very touching, and instantly a lot of, you know, sports figures and entertainment folks and... And, and people that are active on social media, they took up the cause of Keaton Jones, and he became a hashtag. And there was a GoFundMe, I believe, that got like $55,000 uh, uh, you know, paid into it. And then uh, both uh, Mark Ruffalo and Chris Evans sort of invited them personally 
to the the Avengers Infinity War premiere in the spring saying, you know, I want your family to come. You guys are the real heroes. And then like within 12 hours, people had unearthed screenshots of Keaton Jones's mom's social media efforts, shall we say. (laughs) And they include, you know, just rants that have that sort of like anti-government, anti-PC. And then there are some images of, uh, you know, the kids posing with... Uh, confederate flag in in one kid's hands and the american flag in the other kid's hands and now there are rumors or at least maybe i don't know if it's been verified i haven't found all the facts here but it seems as though perhaps keaton jones was being bullied but as retaliation for him shouting racial slurs or at least referring to kids uh using racial slurs which instantly caused um you know all this all these celebrities to have to kind of backtrack obviously very complicated and it all happened within 12 to 18 hours you know that this kid became a cause and then uh uh, the worst person in the world and then he brought down certain people with him you know a little angel like chris evans who's just trying to just trying to look nice on social media you know so yes you said you've been tracking it ronald um i guess we'll talk about the specific story and also maybe general thoughts on just uh the way this happens, the way social media now, you know, you can go to bed thinking you did a good thing and wake up and finding out you, you're, you're trash. Yeah. I, I just think there should have been, I mean, so, so I get the, the results, which were kind of like people saying like, you know, hold your head, you know, be, we, we, you know, come see us. I get that part, but the fund is the part that bothers me. The mom creating the GoFundMe that raised fifty thousand dollars for him getting bullied question mark yeah. which really it's didn't make very any strange sense. that part i didn't get at all i mean i do get just i mean i i don't i don't think that a kid should ever get bullied beat up or whatever if it is true that he you know he he said a racial slur um that's uh, not in my hands man i don't know how people are supposed to react to stuff like that um but i just think you know, people not doing enough research before they commit as much manpower as they do is is a problem. And in general, it's very easy. So this is just kind of reminds me of one weird thing that happened. Um, I remember when Trayvon Martin was killed, um, Spike Lee put the address up of what he thought was... Uh, his killer's address and it turns out that it wasn't he saw that address and just posted it and people were going to an innocent person's house and destroying it threatening threatening the people in the house doing stuff like that it's it's kind of what's been happening you know you have this access to this information or the or access to the world you have the world's ear and people put these things out that could be very destructive. Uh, so that's that that's the scariest thing in the world, man. So overall, this whole situation is a bit scary and indicative of how we just don't do enough research. Yeah. Did you have any thoughts on that, Steve? Did you did you follow any of that in the news? Or no, I mean, I, I definitely saw some of the articles about it, but I, I really didn't look into. I mean, all the stuff that came out after the fact, but. It, it, it is just crazy, though, like how quickly it all moves. I mean, the example that Ronald gave about the Trayvon Martin stuff is just, I mean, that's crazy that that happens. But that's just that 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 that's the um, 
it's the gift and the curse of being so connected to everybody. And unfortunately, it's not going to get any better. I don't think so. So yeah, bah humbug to the speed of uh, social media, even though I think it straddles the line. There are times where where it's it's great to see the instant reaction to something, but in general, I think it's a it's like a new force in our culture that that can it's like a weapon you can use against someone. Okay, so mine's really quick. Mine's just kind of an idea. The idea that SNL is still a like it's a source of great comedy still. The fact that it's considered that still is a little weird to me. Bah humbug to that. Is it considered great though? Well, it's still considered like a comedy institution. You know what I mean? Like it, it's still, um, and with the announcement of um, Michael Shea becoming uh, one of the first blackhead writers, I'm I'm really excited about the direction it's going to go in. Uh, him and Colin Jost, with two 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 writers that I love. Um. I think I think that they could stand to it, it still feels like a bunch of older people, older out of touch people are are in control of the comedy that comes out of it. So, I don't know. It's more of a bah humbug of the current regime of of SNL and I'm hoping that and I like the cast. That's not that's not it's more about the production aspect of it. It it feels very like it doesn't really match with the humor of the people that are on the show, and I'm hoping that it grows. It kind of adjusts to the times. Because every once in a while, you'll get something out of, like, you know, one episode, two sketches will get you. Two sketches will make you kind of go, huh, and then one will, you know, make you laugh. <coughs> but uh, just the idea that SNL is a comedy institution currently is is a little strange to me. So um, I just wanted to change. I, I, it's more of me because I watch it every week, faithfully, honestly. I just want it to kind of change. So that's it. It's more of a complaint. I don't know that it's ever had an era, though, that it wasn't what you just described, kind of spotty. And to me, part of the fun of it is watching it kind of flounder and watching an episode and seeing two or three sketches that really don't work. <laughs> And, and seeing the kind of spirit of let's put on a show. Right, right. But I think that a lot of what you described, the kind of stodginess of, of the structure of some of the sketches, that kind of goes to Lorne Michaels' original concept, which is still very much in place, which is part of the spirit, but it doesn't always make for great television. Yeah. It's my bah humbug. So. All right, Steve. Your final bah humbug. Uh, <clears throat> this will be a quick one, just because we did a whole episode a few weeks ago on... Uh, these efforts, but I find out Ball Humbug goes to Warner Brothers' attempt to have a DC universe. <laughs> Sorry, I I, I I don't think I told you guys, but like uh, there's like three or four people that messaged me after our episode came out about Justice League, saying that we sounded like so like bummed out and down on it like when we record that episode yeah so sad like yeah it just felt like it sounded so sad and and it was so funny that like literally three or four people messaged me saying that <clears throat> and i mean that's kind of just i was like that 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 just is it i mean that's how we feel about it i mean i i don't i don't get it i don't understand what they're doing um it seems like every everyone that comes out that's horrible or does bad or whatever you know, there's this 
public announcement of retooling or restructuring or this or that. And it's just like, at the end of the day, they just don't know what they're doing. I mean, like there's, there's no confidence to be had in any of their efforts in it for me, you know? And I think that, you know, when, when they're one truly like commercial and critical success, which was wonder woman comes out, like, you know, they're, they, they should be thankful for that movie. Um, because I, I, I don't know, like I was talking about this with a couple people at my job, like, I can't help but think that, like, if that movie did not succeed the way it did, if it was another Suicide Squad or Batman vs. Superman or Justice League, just like Universal is doing with their dark universe, I would not have been shocked if they had pulled back on what they were doing. I mean, like, I, I don't understand what the, what they're doing. I mean, there's four Harley Quinn movies happening, apparently. Like three Joker movies. A Batman movie with Ben Affleck one day, and then a Batman movie without Ben Affleck the next day. Um and it just seems like every time they make an announcement, it's like somebody's stepping down, they're replacing this guy, you know, John Berg's leaving, Zack Snyder's not directing anymore, but he'll be producing. And I, I don't know. It's just, it just seems like so much damage control and they don't have a Kevin Feige. They don't, they don't have an overseer or some sort of, you know, somebody to, to, to usher in some consistency and some oversight and some actual, like, just quality to these movies. And it pisses me off because I fucking love Batman. Yeah. And, you know, for whatever you think about the Chris Nolan Batman films, you know, there was a voice and there was there was there was something happening in those films that obviously clicked with a lot of people and they were super successful and the middle of which is, you know, arguably one of the better if not the best comic book movie ever made. Some people would argue that and I might be in that conversation, but it just blows my mind that, you know, with all of the resources and all of the um just material that they could pull from and 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 mine for just box office gold and critical gold and just like the amount of filmmakers that are out there that are wanting to play in that sandbox it just seems like they just can't get it right and i don't i i have no patience for it anymore and the only the only one i'm looking forward to is matt reeves the batman whatever it comes to that movie just because i love matt reeves and i'd be curious to see what batman movie he makes if he even ends up making a batman movie who knows um but anything and everything they've done with this whole thing, starting with Man of Steel, which in hindsight is probably one of my favorite ones of their of their little world that they built, um, just feels like a miss, and it's it's it, it's devastating that Justice League, <clears throat> excuse me, is the least successful film of this entire effort, and it should have been the culmination of these efforts and the springboard into their second phase or whatever they're calling it. And it's literally the worst performing film of of all of them, and a huge disappointment. And I I, I just don't understand it, and it's disappointing. And uh, a huge, huge, huge bah humbug to what they've done with this franchise, with these characters. <clears throat> and uh, the only silver lining is probably the Wonder Woman. What's happening with those movies? And Patty Jenkins and keeping her on board for the sequel is a no-brainer. And it's, it's you know, and I, we talked about it before, like, you know, having James Wan involved with Aquaman is exciting in some ways, but I, I don't know that I really care about an Aquaman movie anymore. Or <laughs> ever, if, I, if, I, if I ever did, I mean, if I ever did, like, because they didn't really do anything to make me care about it. Yeah, they made, and, they made you less um, interested in, in Justice League than you were before, you know, which is crazy. Exactly, exactly. It's like how do you how did you accomplish that? 
It, and, it, and somehow they found a way. So, yep, Justice League was very disappointing. And overall, whatever you're trying to do with this DC, EU, whatever, maybe we need to take a note from Universal and maybe pump the brakes and reevaluate what you're doing. Because uh, they saw how poorly the mummy did, and they kind of pumped the brakes. And I think <clears throat> Warner Brothers is probably too far in to do that now. But something has to happen, and if it doesn't, it's just going to be the laughing stock of, you know, the summer platforms and and the the or even you know the the winter fall stuff that these movies have become. Because it's not good when people like joke about the culmination to finally see the Justice League on the screen, and people are like joking about it, laughing at it. It's it's a bad sign. We were in sync tonight, Steve, because we started off with MoviePass uh, in common, and, and now we're ending up with basically this idea. I, I wasn't thinking specifically of Justice League, but the DC movie attempt universe was on my mind. But my, my general topic was uh, Bah Humbug to what I, I, I had it down as premature franchisalization, which is this attempt to start a franchise without any any real groundwork done yet to make sure that people are into what you're doing. I think that whole notion of getting the, the cart before the horse and, and, and announcing all these movies and making all these plans before it really has a chance to catch on with people is, is becoming a really annoying trend uh, as far as this attempt to bank on what we've already said a million times, but what Marvel did, you know, what, like, it's it's not going to work for everything. Right. And it's not even that they did it by making one great movie after another. They kind of stumbled along the way. So it's just, it's a weird model to try to copy. It's much more about taking those those properties that, like, you know, the, the Justice League characters that should be in these movies that people are just loving and coming out of saying, I can't wait to see that again. Um, like, it, figuring out how to use those characters in a way that feels true to them is what's important. It's not about, you know, doing this this other model, but... It seems to be something that maybe is dying out because they pulled the plug on Dark Universe. They've restructured over at DC. Um, you know, I don't know what else. Maybe there's other plans that have been scuttled along the way that we never knew about. But it does seem like maybe they're starting to back off. Uh, but I don't know. It still sounds like DC has four or five movies planned that sound like they're following this this path that they are, have already started. And Zack Snyder being involved in any way doesn't really bode well. But right. Anyway, I just I just think yeah, trying to build a franchise out of uh, out of thin air when you haven't yet gotten an audience excited about the the take on the material that you have is uh, something I would I would give a, a hearty bah humbug to. All right, Ronald, well, you can bring us home. So bring it home, Ronald. What's what's your final humbug? Uh, my final humbug is um, it's not it's just the concept, just not being able to see all of the movies that are kind of coming out right now and and I'm having the time to see them. I'm going to make time, but I have not been able to see Lady Bird. I haven't seen The Disaster Artist. I've been missing the shit out of these movies that I keep hearing that are incredible. Um so just just all these great movies coming out at the end of the end of the year. That's what it really boils down to. Um yeah. It's annoying as hell. <laughs> but that's mine. And that's that. Mm, well, we, we got through that, guys. We made this happen. I'm proud. We did. Proud of you guys. Well, as always, you can find us on um, whatever your podcast platform of choice is, whether it's Apple Podcasts 
or um, I mean, we're on Podbean. I don't know. We're we're pretty much most places. Um, our home is Podbean. So if you're not familiar with that, you can hit the site up. You can listen to past episodes there, moviesmovie.com, <clears throat> or find us wherever you listen to them. If you do happen to use Apple Podcasts, uh, if you can leave a review, leave a rating, um, whatever you can do to to let us know what you think of the podcast and and let everyone else know. Um, it obviously always helps if you can do that, it's, and it's and it's also appreciated. Um, you can email us at movieshmovie at gmail.com or hit us up on our Facebook page. Let us know what movies you saw this year that you loved, what movies are making your top end-of-year list. Make sure we know about it so that we don't miss it, and maybe we can make sure we can check it out and maybe see if it makes our list as well. Um, outside of that, I think I'm good. Um, you guys have anything else to add? Yeah, I think that's it. I'm good. All right, guys. As always, you've made our day. Take care. All right.